0: Well, top of the morning to you. It is Tuesday, June 6th. This is our key driver's call. Uh, and as always, we would certainly love to hear from you. Uh, let's go to the first slide there. This, uh, actually, slide number two. I, I think we got a market. I think the general message this week is markets didn't do a hell of a lot. Uh, corn, beans, and wheat up a little bit. Um, canola seed and palm oil down a little bit. Uh, just not, I think you have a market that's kind of in check right now. We did have a big drop in corn conditions. That's the bullish side of things a little bit. Um, But we kind of got a better forecast. Uh, It is still quite early. Um, You know, there are some spots that seem quite dry. Uh, It's uh, we were sitting here talking before we started the recording for this call about the uh, the the bit of a chasm between uh, how dry it really is and how much farmers complain about it being dry. But Uh, the reality of the situation is there's some areas that certainly need uh, a a bit of a drink at this point, but we do have a bit of a better forecast. And, you know, I think the fact that conditions are down, but the forecast looks a bit better, kind of really hold markets in check to some degree here. Uh, We've also got our June WASDE coming up on Friday of this week. Um, But I don't know that that's really affecting markets much either, because the June WASDE typically really isn't uh, too big a deal as WASDs go. We'll get an update uh, on our new crop WASDs, the 2324 crop, the crop we're just kind of finishing up planting right now. But the USDA is not going to change that much at this particular point in time just because it's too far in the future to really be able to see in your crystal ball any clearer today uh, than the USDA was able to peer into that a month ago. So uh, old crop balance, well, I guess I'll talk a little bit about the preview uh, to that when we get there. We have a debt deal, yippee skippy. I don't know that that's really doing a whole lot to commodity prices. So uh, I guess we'll kind of sail past that unless any of my other cohorts here have got any comments on it. Um, we got kind of a warm dry uh, where we've been, but we've got a bit more rain here in uh, all three of the forecasting windows that we'll show you a bit. So that's kind of the weather side of thing. And uh, I talked about the WASD. Probably got a bigger report coming up at the end of the month. You see the June 30th. Uh, report. Uh, We will get our quarterly stocks marker. Uh, Scott here, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is the official ending stocks number uh, slash new beginning stocks number for wheat. Uh, It's our third quarterly stocks marker for the other stuff. So, and we'll get an updated acreage number from the USDA on the wheats, right?
1: That's a big one. Yep. That's a big one.
0: That's the big one. All right. As far as the WASDE goes, I think we have that on the next slide here, Uh, the WASDE expectations. If you look at the upper left, um, that is the market expectations for what the USDA is going to do for ending stocks for corn, beans, and wheat for this crop year, the crop that we're currently using. You can see the market's looking for a little bit of an upward revision in really all three Um, mainly on the corn and beans, those upward revisions are because of market expectations of a downward, yet another downward revision uh, on exports. And I say another downward revision, I guess they really haven't done that yet on beans, but the market is really expecting it with this massive soybean crop. uh, I mean, massive soybean crop in in, uh, Brazil, (coughs) with the fact that Brazil is still uh, over two and a half dollars a bushel cheaper fob port than we are here in the U.S. for exports. Hard to believe that we're really going to sell or ship a whole lot more out of the U.S. when it comes to, to exports there. Um, Scott's anything you're seeing here expecting from the USDA on the wheat side of things? Doesn't look like the market's looking for much of an adjustment.
1: No, they won't. Um, certainly not on the old crop. You see they're up a little bit, up to 605. Um, You know, we're at 598 today, so no big moves there. On the new crop, um, you know, that's really not, uh, I mean, that is a good bit higher than what they showed us in May. We were at 556, they're going to go up to 571. That's probably has to do with um, less exports, uh, just like you were talking about on, on corn and soybeans. Um, but again, men- uh, Nate mentioned earlier, the bigger report for the wheat, trade is going to be at the end of the month when we get acres. And then uh, the July WASD will be the first one that we get the full by class breakout of the new year.
0: All right. If you look at the new crop right there in the middle section on the left, go back back to that slide, Nate. Uh, You can see there are some adjustments expected for corn, beans, and wheat, like Scott had mentioned on the wheat. But those are not really going to be to any of the, the the supply, any of the demand side of things. It's the extra supply we're going to get from the old crop uh, ending stocks going up, which is your beginning stock. So really not, uh, I don't think this is typically uh, much of a WASD. Now you can go on. Looking at the corn uh, slide here, again, corn didn't do much. We're up a little bit last week. Uh, again, a little bit uh drier forecasts that we were looking at here a week ago that we showed you uh, condition ratings dropped quite a bit you could see we dropped to 64 percent of that crop uh as good or excellent that's well below the 73 percent we had at this time a year ago again down five from last week so a pretty good decline but the butt's coming up in the weather so the butt is also coming up when you look at brazil that safrina corn crop just continues to look bigger and bigger and bigger. I think we showed you last week. Sephras Mercado went up. They were all the way up at like 136, I think, or so million metric tons. uh, Cordonier, uh typically quite conservative, he's up three to 129. Um, this is a big crop. This is the mother all of all record crops. I think the prior record safrina or the prior record corn production number for a crop season. Uh, out of Brazil is, correct me, guys, if I'm wrong, but I think it's like 115 or 116 million metric tons. So we've got a really, really big crop. Um,
2: but really, it's dynamic. one of those, it's one of these situations where kind of like how Argentina struggled this year, but Brazil kind of made up for them. Yep. I mean, we could, we could get nipped a little bit here in the U.S. on corn production, but yet globally, they'll be sitting okay, right? I mean, with what, yep. with what Brazil has done down there.
0: Yeah, I didn't really talk about the world numbers on the WASD expectations, but uh, we saw last month when we got the new crop, the pretty big jumps, or actually very big jumps, uh, in in world stockpiles for corn and beans. So that's a good thing. You can go on here to, um, uh, we can look at the condition reports um, uh, by by state, but honestly, it doesn't really tell much of a tale. We really don't have any place that's really, what I would call in, in bad shape, uh, there really isn't a particular part of the country that really sticks out here. And we're about planted. I think we're, what, 96% planted, I saw? Yep. Uh, yep. Looking at the numbers yesterday. So that's about all that's going on on corn. Uh, why don't you jump to wheat and uh, Scott can update us.
1: Yeah, we're, uh, you know, a little bit of a mixed bag last week uh, on the futures. and And we're mixed again yet. Uh, uh, yesterday and today, we're back actually back up just a little bit uh, in Kansas City um, from where we ended up. So you know, n- not moving a lot. Uh, international pricing is still as it was a week ago. Russia traded some more stuff um, uh, last week that actually would have uh, fobbed out less than two hundred thirty dollars a ton. Uh, so again, they remain the uh, the the low guy in in the uh, in the world. Um, little news, uh, coming out of China with their crop over there. Um, normally we don't get too wound up about what's going on in China, uh, just simply because they have such a huge, huge crop. Um, but they're getting a bunch of rain right at harvest. And as you've probably heard me say before in the past, that's not a good thing. That's, that's, horrible for the quality aspects of the crop. And they were expecting a very, very nice crop. Well, now they're they're saying as much as 30 million tons of that crop uh, could be feed quality. Now, when you first hear 30 million tons, you think, holy cow, that's a lot of wheat. But you got to remember that they're expected to grow somewhere in the neighborhood of 140 million tons. It is a big, big crop. And so it's only about about, you know, 20% of that or so. Now, I'm not, you know, completely scoffing at that. That's a big thing. But um, today, as it sits, they hold over half of the world's ending stocks. Um, They continue to sell wheat out of their government uh, stores. Um, They have not been back, uh, certainly to the United States, to buy any of our wheat like they were in the last couple of years. Uh, But they are continuing to buy from both Russia and, and Australia. So, We'll watch that one going forward. Um, internationally, that may be the bigger thing to uh, to focus on. Um, here in the States, uh, conditions were uh, quite a bit better, um, certainly for the hard wheat. We went up two percentage points uh, for all of winter wheat, but on the hard wheat, we went up over five on the average of the hard red six. Um, so things are looking better there. We are definitely adding bushels. Uh, in you know places like Nebraska, South Dakota, Montana, maybe a little bit still in uh, in in Kansas, um, I'd still bet today that that Kansas crop is not as bad as what the Wheat Quality Council tour said, all the way down at 178. Um, and uh, I would almost certainly say that it's it's higher than what uh, uh, the numbers would suggest from the May Wasd. Um, maybe not all the way to 600 million bushels, but certainly not as low as you know five, twelve. So uh, we'll we'll keep watching that. spring wheat is is more than caught up. You see there, planning progress right at ninety three where they should be. Uh, things look good up there. Uh, we mentioned earlier the acres really want to see what those acres show for spring wheat uh, at the end of the month. And then finally heading. We're at eighty two percent headed uh, right on the average, and uh, um, you know, going along well. so, that's all I got on wheat today.
0: Super. Thank you, Scott. Uh, as far as the soy complex goes, uh, again, uh, <clears throat> generally up, meal was down again. Uh, meal uh, after that uh, soiree up to $500 a, a ton seven or eight weeks ago. Uh, market looked around, decided that, holy crap, that seems awfully high, and down we come. Actually closed uh, nearby soybean meal uh, futures, the July futures under 400 bucks for the first time in Oh, I don't know how long, but quite a while. So um, beans up a little bit, oil up a wee little bit as well. But uh, again, really a lot of the same tension. It, it's really early, to, early uh, awful early to start worrying too much about the uh, soybean crop. We're just It's just sticking its head up out of the ground here. Uh, we've got the crop mostly planted. We're 91% in, and you can see that is uh, 15 percentage points. Uh, ahead of the five-year average and ahead of where we were a year ago. So really got this crop in the ground in good order. Uh, Plenty of time for uh, rains to come here a little bit later. As far as the the bullish and bearish factors, it's really that Brazil production uh, that you see up there at the top. I mean, that crop also continues to get bigger. Uh, We're about harvested. That's pretty close to a final number here. I'm not sure when uh, Conab will give us their final production numbers, but that is a big crop—155, 156, maybe 157, or a little bit bigger, depending on whose number you want to use. But uh, again, that is the mother of all record crops. Prior record bean production in Brazil—139.6, I believe, million metric tons. So we got really big crops in uh, in Brazil, really largely offsetting the disaster that we had, especially on beans uh, in in Argentina. So. <clears throat> That's kind of the story there i did want to talk a little bit about the bearish side we got um we got our april crush report last i think thursday uh, from the usda and crush was larger than expected uh, another record 187 million uh bushels that we crushed that's uh, on the bullish side for beans because we're using beans up at a pretty good clip uh the oil numbers we we kind of got a bit of a preview of this from the nopa Ah, uh, crush report that we got a couple weeks prior, and it was certainly confirmed and then some. Uh, record oil yield, just under 12 pounds a bushel, which honestly is hard to believe. That's a new record. Uh, remember, the long-term average is closer to 11.6. So the beans seem to have a lot of oil in them this year. And look at that stocks number uh, in the middle bullet in the middle bullet there on the bearish column. Uh, We're all of a sudden uh, up over two and a half billion bushels or excuse me, billion pounds of oil sitting around here at the end of April. Uh, We actually increased stocks a whopping 150 million pounds in the month from from the month of March. And uh, it is not completely unheard of to build stocks in April. It's not unheard of at all to have that big of a stocks build in April is is quite unusual. So we continue to have these big fluctuations in the soybean oil stocks numbers month to month. So that's kind of our story.
2: I do think on the soy side, it is worth noting, I'm sure some of our customers that are in the market buying oil, you know, we're starting to hear some of the narrative out of the processors about uh, this whole old crop bean situation and concern around, you know, farmers with this, with the bean market moving lower, uh, farmers just not wanting to sell and and I think it's actually on chapter two of the processor's handbook that they have to start complaining about soybean <laughs> supplies whenever old, cro- uh, old crops ending stocks fall below 225. But um, it is starting to get you. You're starting to hear it from a number of different directions where processors are worried about soybean supply. And honestly, I mean, you look back historically and it, it, this has happened before. I mean, and yeah, we might run a little bit snug here or there, mm-hmm. but I think you, you just hit on a really good point we have 2.5 billion pounds of oil. So even if crush does get kind of curtailed a little bit as we approach new crop, I don't think I would be overly concerned about oil supply, at least at this point. Plus we're probably going to continue to buy some beans from Brazil, I would think into the East coast. So I'm not overly concerned. I don't know about you, but I, I think maybe it, it might just be a little bit of noise. Don't you?
0: Uh, it, it seems like it. I, I, we do hear it every year. I, you know, we've both been on the other side of that. I've been on the the, the side of that trying to buy beans into a crush plant and Boy, sometimes in the summertime, you look at it as you get out into June and July, and it's like, oh, my God, where are we going to find enough beans to get through? But um, most of the time we do. I mean, it is concerning, as we've said before. You know, we've called this out before. We do have the 215 million bushel ending stock estimate. Probably going to be a little bit bigger than that because we're probably not going to get to that USDA export total. But the other side of that is I keep going back to that March 1 stocks report. Um, that March one stocks report was lower than we thought it was going to be, so that's why at the end of the month here, when we get the uh, June one stocks report, it uh, big, it's going to be a big report. <laughs> it's going to be a big report because what if we find out that that crop isn't, in fact, uh, as big as the USDA's current estimate? That that could put a lot, I guess, get a lot more credence to uh, the the complaint that we're hearing about. Holy crap, the beans don't seem to be there. So we'll yeah. see. I think that's still a developing story. And I think when you get to the veg oil, uh, when you get to the veg oil side of things here, <clears throat> one of the things that I guess I neglected to put on here, but is uh, certainly a big call out uh, June 14th is a big day marked on your calendars. The uh, EPA should give us their final mandate numbers for 2023. Yes, that's correct for this year that we're halfway done with 2023, 24, and 25. And <clears throat> That's honestly probably one of the biggest risks we have in the veg oil space right now. That, and of course, growing season weather here uh, in North America. But you can see palm oil continued lower, uh, down another three and a half or so percent, down another thirty bucks. Now it has kind of whipped around this week, uh, and has kind of gained most, if not actually all of that, and then some back. So palm oil continues to be an eight hundred and some odd, uh, some odd dollar item, and you can see canola prices probably it took a. Pretty good beating last week. Uh, honestly, that's just we're getting the crop in in Canada in pretty good shape. And we got some beautiful uh, June rains. It looks across really most of the crops, especially some of the areas in Saskatchewan there that had been getting uh, a, a bit dry. So, so far, so good there. And all of a sudden, when you look at the palm oil situation, um, you're seeing the experts, if you will. We'll get our, I think our, when we get our Malaysian pomelo Board report, that's coming out later this week, I think too, for uh, uh, the month of May. But we're going to build stocks a good little bit. Stabro's looking for a 12% build. Uh, saw another one this morning, average trade estimates, looking for something kind of similar to that. Uh, and it just looks like production as we get out into the spring. I don't know why we're surprised by this every year, but the trees produce more. Uh, and remember, the palm oil buy boys got a little bit bulled up here uh, a few weeks ago, got prices high enough that India, I saw an article this morning that India's exports uh, for the month of May are over a two-year low. That's following on the heels of the April exports also being uh, in excess of a two, two, two year low. So, why is India buying less palm oil? Well, no, there's a bunch of cheap bean oil and sun oil in the world, and palm oil got a little bit excited price-wise. So, that's really kind of it, I think, at this point
3: when it comes to the vegetable space um <clears throat> what about dairy jay yeah good morning uh thanks dave yeah let's talk about what's going on in the dairy complex right now starting off with fluid milk um we've been talking about spring flush when is spring flush going to end we're we're actually starting to see some indications of spring spring flush ending starts kind of in the northeast right now we're getting some reports of lower milk production um, in the northeast, and then that'll kind of sweep across the country. So, again, a lot of that's predicated with warmer temperatures. Um, we definitely saw some warmer temperatures here in the central region in the upper Midwest. We got up into the 90s. Again, cows don't like heat. Um, 72 degrees is optimal temperature for cows. That's where they like to be, which is very similar to we as people like to be around 72 degrees either. Um, so, we've got spring that's starting to. That. Pardon me?
0: I think Scott likes it warmer than that. 72
3: is good with me, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, tend, I tend to prefer 72 myself. So, but um, yeah, so spring flush is starting uh, to end. Um, the other thing is that we've got school season um, that's starting to end. Kids are getting out here. It's May going rolling into June. So that means um, school mill programs will be shutting down. Um, so that means as spring flush kind of continues across the Midwest and going to the, in the West Coast and starts to slow down. Where is fluid milk going? Well, um, just happens to be, you know, milk is flowing into class two. And and for those that aren't aware of it, class two really supports sour cream, cottage cheese, yogurt, and ice cream. Um, So again, as the weather gets warmer, ice cream season starts to pick up. And that's really right now where a lot of the milk is flowing, flowing away from class one into fluid, going into class two, um, into the softs, um, and, and that's exactly where it's ha- what's happening. When we look at class three right now on the cheese, uh, continued heavy production here in the Midwest. Um, right now, blocks are continuing to, dis- to sell it at a discount relative to barrels. It doesn't happen that often, but it has been in a discount since May 30th. Uh, and as of this morning, the spread is actually, blocks are at a 12 cents per pound discount to barrels. Again, now, barrel production really supports processed cheese, and seasonally, we're in processed cheese. You're talking about grilling season. A lot of that is supported by processed cheese. Uh, demand continues to remain fairly strong. And if you look at the futures market, you can see that the market's not really giving much of a discount, if anything, out September through December. The board is averaging 191. And um, in, in actuality, when you when you take and compare where we're at, we're at on a spot market basis right now, we've got spot cheese blocks at 143. So big, big um, uh, spread between the spot and the deferred months on cheese. That just gives us an indicator that, hey, demand for cheese on the nearby is not that good, but anticipating getting better going forward. Now, when we look at class four on butter, really no changes there. Um, butter just does not seem want. Seems to want to wiggle one way or another. Um, it's found a nice, comfortable home sitting at 2.44 per pound, and that's really from now all the way to the end of the year out through December. Uh, demand for butter has been good. Um, cream is readily available. Some of it's selling at a discount. The churns are going uh, full tilt on the West Coast. Uh, demand on the consumer side and demand on the food service side across the U.S. has been really, really good. So it's kind of a broken record when it comes to butter. Uh, <clears throat> and butter production and butter demand. So it just kind of sits there at 244 and it's been languishing there for quite some time. So really, I mean, just to recap on the dairy side, spring flush is starting to end. We'll see lower milk production. Um, cheese right now is, again, at a discount on the spot. So it's relatively, it's very inexpensive. Um, and it, it more than likely is gonna hang there. Now, the one thing I will call out for the dairy complex as a whole Again, a lot of independent forecasters are looking for a reduction in the dairy herd going forward through this summer. So that's one of the reasons that you're seeing on the dairy complex. You're not really seeing prices move that much because everybody's anticipating that there will get some herd contraction as dairy producers' margins get squeezed. And there's just really no incentive for product values to go down, at least at this point in time.
0: All right, Jay. Well, thank you very, very much. Nate, I think you could probably just bounce us right to the uh, the weather, uh, and let's talk about what uh, what's going on. You know, we, we talked about this this hot, dry, hot, dry, hot, dry. Well, you can see from the last seven days here, we have gotten a little bit of rain. It's primarily out in the in the western belt here, the, the hard red winter wheat belt that could have used it a couple months earlier. Um, Iowa got some little bits of rain. We got some rain up in the, the in the uh, the northern plains and and uh, uh, in Minnesota. Uh, Yeah, the central and eastern belt were a little bit dry, but they were in, I think, pretty good shape going in. And when you look at the seven-day forecast on the next slide, um, we got, you know, again, rain chances again. We don't have a lot of, uh, you know, purples and reds and stuff across the Midwest. But just about everywhere that we grow anything in the U.S. uh, is expecting to get uh, at least some rain here uh, in the seven-day. When you look out into the six to 10 and eight to 14-day, it's kind of even better. Uh, we have kind of normal to above normal rain chances. Uh, we're breaking some of this hot streak, which uh, we ought to have ought to be cooling off a little bit. That certainly helps with evaporation. Uh, not this time of the year. The heat doesn't really hurt anything. We're not trying to pollinate corn, uh, simply that it evaporates soil moisture a little bit quicker. So we're cooling off. We got a pretty normal looking couple of weeks coming at us. And I think all things considered, probably not the worst forecast in the world. And, And when you look north of the border, look at the rain that they've gotten in Saskatchewan here in the last 30 days. We've got some beautiful uh, June rains. Um, Obviously more would be needed if you look at the soil moisture here to the left side, but uh, so far so good is what we are told uh, from our our friends north of the border. That crop uh, has gotten the ground in pretty good shape and uh, uh, looks pretty good. So that is our story and we are sticking to it this week. As always, we'd love to hear from you and love to hear feedback. Uh, and as always, uh, be careful out there.